One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In recent weeks, protests outside accommodation centers for asylum seekers have escalated. Some protesters are worried about the arrival of migrants into communities already struggling with an acute shortage of housing. Others say they think migrants pose a threat to their safety. We don't know who these people are. They're being put in. Nobody was told about them. What can they do for the kids, for women going out to work, coming home from work? But not all the concerns being expressed at the protests are grounded in fact. Protest attendees have been hearing things that are little more than conspiracy theories. These fake UGs behind us are just being used by international banks to fill up property and just to generate profit. And as the crisis continues and the anger deepens, worries are growing that such baseless claims could have tragic consequences. Temperature is rising. I really hope I'm wrong, but it seems like something bad is going to happen. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, what the Irish far right are saying and why it matters. Conor Gallagher is the Irish Times crime and security correspondent. Conor, this year is very new, but already we've seen an escalation in protests outside accommodation for asylum seekers, not just in Dublin, but around the country. They've been very visible. They seem to have been very organised and there seems to be no sign of stopping. Yeah, that's fair enough, Bernice. We're speaking just after protests were organised around the country in about a dozen different locations against asylum seeker accommodation. And these follow weeks of protests in Eastwall, in Ballymun, uh, in Fermoy, County Cork. And a huge amount of the people at these protests are locals. A huge um, amount of locals. A huge amount okay. of locals, yeah. But there also is a very significant presence of far-right activists, both individuals and part of organised groups and parties. And who are these these groups then? Well, I suppose maybe the one people be most familiar with would be the Irish Freedom Party, set up a few years ago to campaign for uh, Ireland to leave the EU. It's now refocused its efforts on anti-immigration positions. So uh, that's led by a gentleman called Herman Kelly. It is completely wrong and unsafe that unvetted males, a large number, we don't know their names, we don't know where they're from. He rejects the notion that they're a far-right party. He'd say they're a very sensible party who wants common-sense solutions. But at the same time, uh, the party has been promoting this notion that these large numbers of uh, asylum seekers coming into the country represent quote-unquote plantation. That's one far right. Yeah, yeah. The next one would be the National Party. Probably even more 
farther to the right than, than the Irish Freedom Party. A regime which has deliberately brought a large number of foreigners into this country for no other reason than the service of international finance capitalism. Led by uh, a man called Justin Barrett, who has been a long-time anti-abortion campaigner. You know, he, he got quite a notorious reputation. He's spoken alongside neo-Nazis in Germany. The party would have been very active during COVID, anti-lockdown protests. You know, to give you an idea that the type of person we're talking about, he recently posted a quote from Hitler on his uh, social media account before it was deleted. So he was in Ballymun on Thursday night and National Party uh, activists have been very active in the area and in other towns uh, around the country. You talked about COVID there. It seems to me that these far-right groups, they are able to jump on a subject and galvanise support underneath. And COVID was a gift for them in a sense. Yeah, they're very responsive, you know. So when you had, you know, this uh, unprecedented situation of the government introducing lockdowns and then vaccines, they identified this as a wedge issue, as a an issue that a significant minority of the population would be quite angry about. So they would have been very much to the front in organising protests against COVID lockdowns and, you know, they would have been certainly in attendance at a couple of the, or well, certainly at least one protest on, on Grafton Street, which turned violent and resulted in Gardaí being uh, attacked with, with uh, fireworks. Now, the person who attacked the Gardaí with fireworks wasn't a member of the party, but party members were there, along with lots of other people who had nothing to do with the far right, were just opposed to lockdowns. They did manage to get a little bit of a foothold and certainly managed to recruit some new members, get some more funding. And now they've been able to capitalise on, well, you know, it's a crisis really, the accommodation crisis for uh, asylum seekers. Over 13,000 arrived in the country last year, and that's in addition to well over 70,000 Ukrainian refugees who've been given temporary refugee status. This has put huge pressure on the government's asylum housing system, which resulted in uh, asylum seekers being placed in an often unsuitable accommodation at very short notice without consultation with the community, leading to anger among some in the community. Then inevitably, these people will descend on the community, and then they will be leading the charge at the protests. On January the 7th, protesters gathered in Ballymun in Dublin, outside a hotel where asylum seekers are housed. 40% of these men that are coming into this country are unvetted with no passports. If you have no passport, you get the fuck out of here. That's it. Men describing themselves as representatives of the Irish National Party and the Irish Freedom Party address the crowd. Their speeches have been widely shared online. So, Connor, I'm going to just give you some lines from that and see what you make of it. These people, these fake UGs behind us, are just being used by international banks to fill up property and just to generate profit. You would these fake UGs behind us are just being used by international banks to fill up property to generate profit. So that goes back to the fact that probably the majority of asylum applications in Ireland are rejected. Therefore, these are, are fake 
refugees are here fraudulently, you know, those two things aren't necessarily the same, you know. Uh, asylum applications can be rejected for lots of reasons, including that you come from a, a safe country. And, of course, it also ignores the fact that Irish people have been travelling abroad for, well, centuries as what would be now be called economic migrants. But putting that to one side... That particular statement goes back to this conspiracy theory about the Great Replacement, that either the government or the uh, International Monetary Fund or the big banks are orchestrating the replacement of native populations and the filling up of, of property with migrants. It's hard to know where to start with that. I mean, from an economic point of view, it doesn't make sense why they would want to do this or how they would want to do it. It's an inherently anti-Semitic conspiracy theory in origin. It, it comes from this idea that the Jews control the world and it comes very much from that anti-Semitic space and now it's kind of, it's been whitewashed to a certain extent and in Ireland it's been kind of rebranded with kind of an Irish slant. In the last year they've started calling it the plantation or the great plantation obviously a reference to the plantations of, of Ireland during the time of Henry VIII and, and Elizabeth. So you know, it's it's this whole thing that it's orchestrated that someone is behind it all. When you know, in fact, it's a it's it's a really broad and complex combination of factors that are leading to large number of migrants coming in. But it's always easier to reach for a, a simple one liner than trying to explain uh, a complex causes of something. No sign of Antifa here tonight. Why? Because they're afraid of their effing life to come here. That's right. So, I mean, this is all goes goes back to this uh, tactic of uh, pitting pitting your people against an enemy. So, Antifa or Antifa, you know, it's this this loose collective of people who emerged in America to protest against groups on the right and sometimes the violence is used in those protests and some of these groups would, would say violence is justified against yeah, some of these people. In Ireland there are some groups that call, would use the uh, anti which stands for anti-fascist uh, term or label. They wouldn't be a particularly powerful force but what we've seen is the these far-right activists would, would, before protests, been like, I heard Antifa is going to be down and they're going to be uh, putting it up to us, you know, so we need to be ready to fight back. And then when there is no Antifa, they're like, they were too scared to show up. Uh, so it's really this kind of, yeah, we have an enemy out there. They're out to get you, so you better, you know, uh, stick to, stick with us. Don't you remember Sweden? I don't remember Sweden. Oh, you remember Sweden is the rape capital of the world. Sweden was the same as we were seven and a half years ago. So this is something we've been hearing for years. It's become a, a, a real touchstone for anti-immigration campaigners. Of course, the reason this has been said repeatedly is Sweden uh, has taken in the highest proportion of asylum seekers and refugees in Europe per capita, and the two are being linked. Now, the rise in rape statistics uh, was occurring long before that happened in the late 2010s. So, you know, the two things don't necessarily uh, correlate. And Rape statistics and, and all crime statistics are really, really difficult things when you start comparing them between countries. 
In terms of the, the rape capital of the world claim, Sweden records its rape uh, statistics in a, a very unique way. If a woman makes a police complaint that she's been raped, say she has been raped by her husband over the course of a year and they would ask her how many times she'd say this would happen, she might say 50. In lots of other countries, that would be regarded as a single rape complaint. In Sweden, they recorded they record as 50 separate rapes. So, yeah, listen, there's, there's a lot more to that than meets the eye. And uh, it, it's, it's really a pretty irresponsible framing of, of statistics. There's been rapes all over the country that nobody is talking about. There was one girl posted on Facebook last week that five black fellas tried to take her out of her car. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, why is the media talking about that? A story that happened on the M50, uh, it said that a group of black men had tried to pull a white woman out of her car. Um, Did that happen? I definitely can't say it didn't happen for sure. What I can say is I found no evidence of it happening and I've, I've looked into it and checked with, with Gardaí uh, who haven't been able to find anything resembling that. It's part of a trend, you know. You constantly hear these vague, unsupported allegations of crimes by migrants or asylum seekers or, or refugees, and you know it'd be really hard to actually track it down because no one, there's no details. You know, no one ever has any details, uh, and it's always like you know they're threatening women or they're threatening uh, children. At best, they're rumors, usually you know spread on Facebook by someone. Maybe some of them have some truth to them. But it's 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 often just impossible to check. Uh, at most, they're just like poisonous lies. We did see there was a, a spate of uh, stabbings in a Killarney asylum seeker accommodation there after Christmas, and the victims were all in the centre, and the perpetrators were all in the centre, and there's been several arrests. But that we saw a lot of. Uh, misinformation coming from that. For example, in Term and Fecken, there's just over 40 asylum seekers being accommodated in Term and Fecken, already causing anger in the community, already attracted the attention of the far right. Protests are being planned, but you know, one of the rumours going around is one of the guys in Term and Fecken had been transferred from Killarney after being involved in the stabbing. That's you know, just not true. So, you know, I don't, maybe that's something to do with lack of trust in the official statements, lack of trust in the media, lack of media literacy. Uh, I don't know, but it's certainly a feature of these protests. Helen McEntee, the Minister of Justice, is handing out Irish passports and citizenships. As well as the loud hailers, there's obviously banners, homemade banners at all these uh, protests. And very typical of the ones would be Roderick O'Gorman, out, out, out. Leo, can I have a free gaff? Get out of here, everyone. Get on the road and go Roderick O'Gorman comes in for a lot of very personal sort of abuse at these uh, rallies. Yeah, well, even before this, uh, he was a a favourite target of the far right. He's a gay man. The National Party have made uh, absolutely basis allegations linking him to paedophilia, which is another favourite tactic of the far right here and abroad, uh, and has roots in that kind of QAnon stuff in America. But now, obviously, he's in charge of the immigration response, uh, particularly since immigration has been moved from the Department of Justice largely 
to the the Department of uh, Children and Integration. Uh, so he's obviously uh, a target. And yet there's a huge, huge amount of anger towards him, huge amount of anger towards Varadkar as well. There's also a lot of mentions of Sinn Féin. Yeah, and that's really interesting because these are areas like Ballymun, Sinn Féin would traditionally have, have had strong support there and continue to have strong support. But there's a huge amount of anger being, and, and some of it's organic and some of it has been stirred up by these uh, far-right groups at Sinn Féin as Sinn Féin somehow having betrayed the working class and be- betrayed the private communities by supporting immigration. Where's Sinn Féin tonight? Nowhere to be seen because they agree with everything that's happening here. They want the immigration in here. They will vote Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin are a left-wing party. They are, you know, they have very, very moderate to, to left-wing views on, on, on immigration. The implication is that they've these views don't reflect the communities which they claim to represent. So you've you know a lot of anger directed towards Mary Lou Macdonald, calling her a traitor and, and that sort of thing. I'm not sure if that's causing any worry in Sinn Fein if they think it will uh, you know hurt them at election time. Everybody, keep an eye on the social media for the next rally. Listen, fair play, everybody, but now. Now I'm sort of conscious that. If you, you're not on Twitter, you're not on Facebook, you're just not on social media, your awareness of these protests that are going on might be fairly minimal. You might hear on, you know, the traffic reports every evening that East Wall is a no-go area, which it has been. It's been slow on East Wall, so on, Drimna this week. And you wouldn't necessarily have seen the huge amount of videos taken by these so-called citizen journalists. You wouldn't have seen any of that stuff. So to what extent is social media fueling these protests? To a massive extent. I mean, all the organising is done on social media, either Facebook, Telegram, and then private WhatsApp groups as well, separately to that. So uh, without social media, there really would be very little cohesion to these protests. So these groups and individuals have become adept at using social media these protests all follow a similar pattern, like a remarkably similar pattern. Someone would, would take a video of a bus arriving and some people getting off and the people might have dark skin and they would say another load of uh, asylum seekers have just arrived in this hotel. And sometimes they are asylum seekers, sometimes they're, they're not. I mean, in Drimna, a video went around of people getting off the bus to go into this school, which had had been used to house uh, Ukrainian refugees, but was no longer being used to house Ukrainian refugees. And these people were cleaners. They were coming in to clean the school, but then everyone believed these were asylum seekers. So there was a big protest and it turned out they weren't. Same thing happened in Ballymun, video of a bus with people arriving led to anger on social media and led to people coming out uh, for days and days of protests. So social media plays an absolutely massive role in that. It's where this information is spread and it's also where a lot of misinformation is spread, you know, about claims that these people are involved in violent crime or a threat to women or and that sort of thing. So, yeah, without social media, this would be a lot more muted. You know, we had huge numbers of asylum seekers coming into the country in the early 2000s. I think it was a 56% rise on five years previously. And there was a lot of anger about that and a lot of resistance. But we didn't see mass protests because they didn't have that uh, organising ability because they didn't have social media. 
And when you say people getting off buses, of course, what seems to be the focal point in a lot of the sort of the chance, the messaging going out, that these are all men, busloads of men arriving, single men arriving into communities. Yeah, military-aged men or unvetted military-aged men is the, the buzzword you keep hearing because a military-aged man, as in a, a young man in his 20s or 30s, poses a extra threat to people or that they should be working in their own country. Or I'm not entirely sure why that buzz term has taken hold so much. But the fact is that a lot of these places are being used to house families. Some will have men, some will have only men, some will have men, women and children, including Ballymun, which had, I think, nine children and also women and pregnant women as well. So, you know, there's this thing that these groups and activists are, are there to protect women and children from these military-aged men, but they don't seem to have a problem targeting the bedrooms, the homes of, of women and children. Coming up, how the Irish far right is developing its links to organisations in the UK and Europe after this short break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. So we have very well organized now far-right groups in Ireland. That's now becoming very, very clear. To what extent are they linked up with far-right groups in Europe? To what extent can we see this in the context of the rise of far-right groups in other countries? Ireland's a bit late to the party in this. I mean, Europe, continental Europe, France, Germany, the Nordic countries have been having this debate since the last mass wave of migration into Europe. But it's only this year that Ireland is experiencing those very, very high numbers. So our kind of far-right Groups, uh, activists are, are, are playing catch up to a certain extent, but they are catching up. So there is a lot of liaison, a lot of talks, a lot of online meetups with groups in the UK and elsewhere. One group that uh, Irish far-right activists have been liaising very closely with is a patriotic alternative in the UK, which is a, a relatively new white nationalist group and they have been discussing tactics on how to reach new members, how to insert themselves into communities, how to capitalise on these issues like asylum and how to organise these protests. We've seen that. We're going to see a lot more of it, I think, as these protests continue. But even within Ireland, these groups are working closer together. There's evidence of a lot more cohesion between them. Previously, they would have considered themselves rivals to each other and they'd be competing for a, a finite slice of attention, you know. Now it seems there's more coordination. They're speaking alongside each other at rallies. They're organising protests together. And I think we're also going to see more of that. In Ballymun, for example, this happened, and then the National Party arrived, 
blanketed the area with leaflets and posters, you know, so it's very much part of their campaigning apparatus now. Now, I don't want to overstate it. National Party is still a tiny party. It's never returned someone in even a, a council seat. I don't know if it's ever gotten more than a 1,000 votes in any election ever, including its party leader who's run for multiple elections now and has been always down the bottom of the ticket. But they do seem to be making more gains. The next election will be interesting to see if there has been a, an increase in support. You say that locals are attending these protests, but there's also a real pushback in local communities, in Ballymun and Drimna in particular last week, where they issued statements. They're saying, no, this isn't us. This is not who we are. We are welcoming refugees. We understand why they're here. Yeah, it's really hard to know how much support these protests have. And there's obviously different levels of support you can have as well. You can be someone who objects to asylum seekers being housed in an old ESB building, which just isn't suitable, and you could be protesting because of that, or you could be protesting because you don't think refugees should be allowed in the country at all. And so there's a really broad spectrum there. But outside of that, you've got, yeah, a really organised pushback now, and that's only emerged in the last week or so. In East Wall, as you said, Drimna, Ballymun, in Clondalkin, there was counter-protest, which I think almost equals the, the protesters. And these groups are organising together to counter the narrative that's going around, counter some of the misinformation. Also, I know the groups in East Wall are getting supplies together for some of the the people living in the accommodation. So they're by no means representative of the whole community. I guess you shouldn't minimise it, though. There are We saw big numbers in Ballymun and East Wall, and a lot of those people have really genuine concerns as well because... Ballymun in particular is is a really deprived area. I'm stating the obvious there, but there's a huge amount of anger there. I spoke to people from all sectors of the community this week, from people who supported the protests to people who had no time for the protests at all. But there's a huge amount of anger that Ballymun has been forgotten, that the only time we talk about Ballymun in the media is when something bad happens. Like there's a huge amount of anger at the mainstream media, at RTE in particular, for a documentary it made about drug dealing in Ballymun, about the regeneration plan, which hasn't delivered at all, even though you've seen vast amounts of money being injected into the area. And there's also a worry that, you know, these far right groups are coming in there and they're capitalising on that anger, especially with young people. So one of the noteworthy things about Dalp's protests in Ballymun, I was speaking to my colleague Connor Lally, who was at the protest there last night, was the huge amount of young people there, young men in particular, who are not the type of uh, demographic who go to protests, really, but they were there in large numbers. I spoke to one man, a director of a youth project out there in Ballymun, who's been active in in the community for 40 years, and he said, you know, there's a worry that they're losing these young men to this kind of very negative space of protesting. And when he can't get those same young people to go and protest for tenants' rights or improved facilities for the community, that sort of thing, you know, it's, it's that there's such an amount of disillusionment in Ballymun and that is being channeled into this anger directed against uh, asylum seekers. I think it's very safe to say, Connor, that you're going to be in the studio again talking about this because these protests are going to continue and this is going to run and run. Yeah, the problems with sourcing accommodation 
they're only getting worse, especially now coming into the spring. Uh, a lot of these hotels are reverting back to tourism. The international protection applicants, there's not much sign of them dropping off. There was a huge drop-off in Ukrainian refugees coming into the country over Christmas, but that's coming up now again, that's ticking up again, and the war there doesn't show any sign of ending, unfortunately. And a pattern has been started now. You know, I mentioned Term and Feckin. There's protests already been planned for Term and Feckin. Every time migrants or asylum seekers are moved into a place, you know, there's a really good chance we're going to see protests. And has to be said, you know, there's a chance of violence. Not necessarily at the protests themselves, although that has happened, but surrounding these asylum seeker centres, such as in Finglas, uh, the centre was attacked, you know, and people got in um, and, and, and were quite threatening to the staff and the occupants uh, to the extent that they had to move the occupants out. Uh, a man was arrested this week for uh, accused of threatening to burn down a hotel being used to house uh, refugees, including women and children, in the town. Temperature is rising um, and I really hope I'm wrong, but it seems like something bad is going to happen. To enjoy full access to journalism from the Irish Times, such as Connor's reporting on the far right, you can subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. That's all for today. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon and Trish Laverty. In the news, we'll be back on Friday. late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.